Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of All My Friends with Justin Flaskrew. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you're in a safe and good place, both physically and mentally while listening to this podcast. Now, here's a tip for all you news watchers out there that watch news 24-7. Shut that shit off. At least for a week. Maybe, hopefully, just for a day. And do something better with your time that doesn't stress you out about things you really have no control over. No. Clean your house. Clean your room. Clean your car. Declutter everything. I know all that stuff can be done around your house. Play video games if you got the time. Or maybe even watch a show that you already watched that you loved and watch it again. We just got done watching Friday Night Lights. Now, if you don't know what that is, it's about high school football, their coach, the players, the town. Uh, It's a good show. I suggest that there's five seasons. And we started it uh, somewhere in the pandemic and just finished it the other day. Uh, So I suggest doing that. I personally want to thank all of you that are masking up and maintaining social distancing while in public. You're saving lives. You're probably saving my life. And you didn't even know it. It's plain and simple. You are saving lives. Now, folks, when I see someone at the store without a mask on, I do judge them. And I think of all the other risks they must take in their lives, like not using seat belts, still using lead-based paints, not brushing their teeth. And they probably don't use any sort of protection while having sex when they know the other person has an STD. Trust me, folks. I'm not the only one that is judging you. We all are, but you just can't see the, our faces. You just see our eyes going, God, what an ass clown. All right. I've bitched enough. And it's on to the interview. Now, Marlo and I have been friends uh, since, I want to say, 2005 or so. And, well, we did this interview via Zoom. And there were some audio issues caused by the Internet. And you may hear a thunderstorm during the interview as well. So I hope you enjoy it. I got to learn a lot about Marlo and her life. Born and raised in Casper, Wyoming. Uh, Just a few short years ago. I'm not that old, but, you know, quite a few years ago. (laughs) Casper, Wyoming. Um, I'm still in Wyoming and I love where I live. So did your parents meet in Casper? How did they meet? How did they get together to create the Marlowe? So my dad was friends with my mom's older brother. They were best friends. They were in a band together. This was the 1960s. My mother was born in the 50s. And so um, the 1960s or so, she was a teenager and her older brother was in a band with my dad my dad got a crush on my mom but of course it was awkward because that was his friend's younger sister it went way too far not in the way you're thinking but like my dad went to the military they wrote letters to each other they honestly like stretched a romance as far as you could possibly imagine and then when he came back they got married and that's when my parents met each other from the yeah. time they were in high school. So your dad joined the, did he join the military or was he a Vietnam draftee? He was a draftee. Yeah. Uh, my dad too. So funny, funny story about this one. My dad actually was trying to avoid the Marine Corps 
And so he pretended he had to go to the bathroom at one point to try, he was trying to count the number of draftees to where he would avoid the, uh, the Marine Corps, tried to pretend he had to go to the bathroom, came back, jumped in the back of the line, they switched it. He was oh, yeah. the first one into the Marine Corps. <laughs> oh. So his uh, little move backfired. <laughs> Dang. The first one in the military, or the first one in the Marines, so. My dad was in the army, I think, yeah. And like that quickly um, get your shit together. If you get drafted, I, I found that out. Like quickly, I mean, like he came back, finished college, got married, you know, like he was like, never again. And he was told me I would never be in the military. It was interesting being drafted. He was like, that's yeah, not an option for you. We'll figure something else out. Drafting so, is crazy. I mean, can you imagine? No, not at all. Being told, hey, you're going here right now at this point. Yeah. I, and I'm a wuss. Like, like, I, we did army barracks for football camp and that sucked. And I can't imagine, I, I, by that time, I, when I was 18, I was ready to not be told what to do anymore. So I went to college. But yeah, that's it, so, I mean, military... Being drafted, I, I'm glad that now it's a very much volunteer army and there's plenty of people that sign up that I never thought about, never did. Thank you. Um, thank you, people who serve, by the way. I'm not trying to knock it. It wasn't for me. Me too. Thank you to all who have served, but also don't try and um, game the military. Turns True. Out. They'll flip the lines on you. They're smarter than you <laughs> at that age, by the way, because they can break yes, you. Don't do it. Yeah. Just stay in line. So <laughs> your parents got together. They, did they, they met in Cap, did they stay, they met in Casper or where'd they meet at? Well, they met in Casper, like I yeah, said. Okay. Um, my dad was uh, best friends with my uncle. My mom was in high school at the time and my dad was in college, but um, they kind of had like, a, like I said, just not really like a intense love affair, but like a, just a bit of a, a friendship. So they stayed friends for a long time. When so, my dad went to, my dad was shipped to Korea. He Korea. was not in Vietnam, but he was okay. in Korea. And so he ended up um, going abroad, <laughs> if you will, or yeah. being shipped off. And so my mom stayed and she moved to Seattle. She that was going to be Seattle. a question. I was like, she stuck it out in Casper. She went to Seattle. Okay, right on. Yeah, so she lived in Seattle for a long time. She was a bit of an artist. She um, never like tried to make it as an artist, but she went to school and like, just honestly lived, if I don't have a better word, it's to, she lived as a hippie in Seattle for a very Bohemian long time. lifestyle. Yes, she Bohemian. was very much a Bohemian. Gotcha. <laughs> so she lived up there in Seattle and um, my dad was in Korea and they, like I said, continued to write letters to each other and um my mom eventually moved back to Casper and went to uh nursing school. Oh, okay. So when my dad eventually got out of the military, his family at that point lived in Laramie. Yeah, I know that place. Yeah. So my grandma and my grandpa lived in Laramie from the time I was born, at least that I can remember until 
um, both of them passed away, yeah. but uh, my dad moved back and then got his GI grant from being in the military and went and attended University of Wyoming and lived in a furnace room, is what he's told me. <laughs> he had a friend who um, was also in school with him, but his friend had an extra room, which the extra room was actually just a furnace. <laughs> wow. It was a little furnace room, but my dad stayed there and he had a little German shepherd huh. and him dog stayed in that room all through college until my dad got his degree. Well, he didn't quite get his degree, but he went through his classes there. Gotcha. And like I said, his parents lived in Laramie at the same time. So did you just go up to Casper, grab your mom? Or did he um, was like, I'm going to Casper for you? To be honest, I can't figure out how they both got together. Because my mom at the same time was in Casper. Well, she was in Seattle, and then she moved back to Casper due to family things, whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, so when he, whenever they got back together, that was it. It was right around the 1978, 79, I would say, because they got married in 1980. So like late 70s, they ended up in the same place at the same time. Like I said, they had always kept correspondence. This was back in the day where you had to send letters and not emails and not text messages. <laughs> so they had actually kept this uh, little romance for quite a while. Amazing. And I, I'm not sure exactly how they ended up back in Casper at the same time, same place, but they got married in 1980 on June 21st. So. First day of summer, right on. Uh, so, did they instantly have kids? You have a sibling, right? So, my brother was born on June 17th, 1981. So, less than a year later. <laughs> I would say they um, definitely had a honeymoon and definitely had my brother. Yeah, that's interesting. With their GI Bill right there, they um, bought a house in Casper. And uh, we lived in that house. This is a little uh, glimpse into the future. We lived in that house for the next 40 years. So my parents bought a house in 1980 when they got married and uh, started a family. So yeah, they had my brother in 1981. They had me in 1983, me and my brother, two and a half years apart, exactly almost. His birthday is in June of 81, and mine's in December of 83, so. And where's he at these days? Gabriel also lives here in Casper right now. Um, He is the best uncle in the world to my two boys. He um, always is there for us, and kind of also gives the extra parent vibe. (laughs) He doesn't just uh, toe the line with them. He definitely like lays down the law. So cool. Good uncle. Good uncle. Yes. 
we skipped a lot of time there talking about your kids now from when you and your brother are coming up. So you're raised up in Casper. Um, what were you like as a kid? Well, you know, first grade through fifth grade, were you rebellious? Were you a great student? What were you into? Um, in elementary school, I was a really good student. To be honest, I really loved school. I still really like school. <laughs> I like the whole thing about it. I just, you know, math and science and all those things. I, I really loved school. I was a really good student all through elementary. I got into dance probably my kindergarten year. And that was something that definitely carried through uh, my whole life. Um, I started dance. And as I got older, I wanted to always add on to that. So every year that I started dance, I would add a different genre. So like I started with ballet, and then I would add jazz, and then I'd add tap, and then I'd add modern, and then I'd add, you know, whatever else. So by the time I was in middle school, I had sort of um, a buffet of dance. So that was sort of my life growing up was the dance studio. Like I said, I did love school. I was always very like um, not in elementary school. I definitely Sorry, didn't start that until I got a little bit older. I wasn't these days kids start real young, but I started a little bit older. Um, when I was just in middle school, I just did it and I loved it so much. And I always would do things like choirs and <laughs> instruments and band. So I was definitely like an artsy student. I was like I said, music, arts, um, theater, dance. That that was what I grew up with. So nice. I was total af- af- jock. Like <laughs> played soccer for a while, wrestled football. Yeah. Athlet academics. My sister wasn't really older sister was a really good student. So that shadow I was tired of being in, or being expected to be the really good student because she was. I was like, no, no, no. I'm totally different. And because for a while, growing up, I, until I moved to Laramie, she was the shadow caster. Like, well, Rochelle did it this way. And I'd be like, I'm not Rochelle, though. Come on. And so I would do different things than she did. And so I wasn't always great at, at school, the school part of it, even though my dad was a teacher. My soon-to-be stepmom was a teacher. She was my teacher in third grade. But I wasn't great at school. I didn't really wasn't into it. So it's always interesting to hear that other people were, and I'm like, good, you're the people. I knew those people existed. I was just there to eventually play sports. <laughs> my but. brother was the other way, though. I think that's why, why maybe I tried so hard, because my brother was, like, really sort of not the greatest kid. Not He was a good kid, but, like, he had a good heart. Yeah. He just was in the wrong place at the wrong time almost every time, <laughs> you know? So I just felt bad for my parents. I'd be like, man, you have to deal with this with this kid. So I'm going to try not to do that. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes sense. And I was a middle kid because I was, so I was definitely beat him out on drummer. I'm an, and I was the only boy. I have all my, I have three sisters. So yeah, I very much rebelled against the sister. I was going to be different, but yet I'm, I'm, I'm considered the favorite because I'm not like my sisters. Cause I'm not a girl. It's funny. Boy. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. 
So I don't cause much havoc. That's what they say. But when I do, it's, it's pretty good. I'm a good havoc causer. So you're, doing, you're getting into dance um, and that, you know, you're getting good grades, school, high school, um, still. Well, we actually had middle school first. Oh, middle school? We're in middle school now. How was middle school? Everybody's weird. Middle everybody. school for me was pretty tumultuous. <laughs> That's where I got in the most trouble. I have to say, middle school for me was like my rebellious period. I had a few years where I just said, fuck my parents and fuck school. Well, not even fuck school. I honestly had good grades. And I still danced the whole thing. But my attitude was bad. It was bad. <laughs> Uh, I remember one distinct time when my mother picked me up from dance practice and was driving me down the street because I was just, you know, going through puberty and terrible. I started fighting with her and she kicked me out of her car. She pulled over to the side of the road and she said, get out. (laughs) I said, okay. Wow. I got out and I remember I had one cigarette in my pocket and I lit it and I was walking down the street, of course, like a badass, smoking a cigarette. And my mom had just gone around the block like a good mother and come back around to pick me up. Well, of course, finds me smoking a cigarette. That was a hard one. (laughs) How old were you then? I was probably 12 or 13. Wow. I mean, I was young. Like I said, this was had to have been heartbreaking for my mother. Yeah. And like I said, she had, she was trying to teach me a lesson by kicking me out, but she had just gone around the block <laughs> to, to be a good mom. And I was just, and I remember like blowing it almost in her face. Just, I'll get in the car and just like stabbing it out. <laughs> just being a little shithead teenager I don't even know what to say about it like it was so bad of me and thinking back to that man if my children did that I would kick them in the face the fact that my mom did not drive off at that point speaks volumes to her character (laughs) she probably had a similar situation growing up so she (laughs) kept herself together at that moment Yeah. yeah And when I, I'm moving from Oregon to Wyoming, that first year, uh, had some bad friends. My parents like made me be friends with their friends' kids, and they were ruffians. And I got into—I mean, I made my own choices, but still, I could have done better. And there was a time, yeah, I was like, I'm leaving, going back to Oregon. I hated it so much, so I was a little bit rebellious. Then finally, I was like, nope athletics are going to be my ticket out of this town and that was all i really thought about and got into and then never really no left for a little bit but uh never left actually kind of liked it after a while actually it took me to move to come back and be like okay laramie's not that bad the easy place to live i think that's weather weather will (laughs) kick your ass from time to time but otherwise easy place to live so Your your middle school. It was just stupid. It was so stupid. Like I felt. What, what turned it around? Like, did you just be like, "All right, I'm done being rebellious. It's time to like." Honestly, it was dance. 
Damn. At one point, like a, I, I was, I was in a studio at that point that I was not um, completely happy with, and so when I switched studios in my ninth grade year, it changed my whole life around. Like that's what I wanted to do, and I knew it. And ever since then, like I would go to dance four to five hours a day and just like not even think about it. <laughs> so for me, it was honestly like a whole shift of what. I was doing you know what I mean so I was dancing at the time and I was I was happy with it and I liked it but moving to the right studio shifted my whole high school career I never gotten any single one bit of trouble in high school not even one it just really I was a troublesome middle schooler but a really good high schooler so I it just I, I think I instigated a food fight in Oregon. So I had to eat my lunch in the principal office for a little bit. And then, yeah, that was probably my biggest, like, uh, crazy thing I did in school. And then I snuck out in, like, junior high, that kind of stuff. Um, and then high school was just like, okay, it's time to, like, buckle down, focus on some something. Not <laughs> Yeah. And I, it's interesting how, like, switching studios. I had a coach that kind of – changed me from wanting to ever wrestle again. So like you can get good ones and you get bad ones and you, they can change you. And so it's, if you ever become a coach or an instructor or something, it's your attitude means a lot in what you do and say around kids. So if you're listening now, you know, remember that it can I make a difference. Me. Yes. Cause my uh, instructor that I had at the studio that I was at was really negative and really, really, really bad for my psyche. Like overall, and the woman that I uh, took un- took me under her wing when I moved to that new studio, she's still to this day, like one of my biggest influences and like greatest people in my life. So you have to like listen to those voices when you say, this isn't right. <laughs> you know, like I don't, this isn't, I, I love this, but I don't love this. Yeah. So you got to get rid of those things that you don't love. <laughs> When I coached, I would tell the kids, I was like, I, I, wins or losses are great right now. What, you know, wins are great, but I want you to come to me when you're a senior in high school and say, I stuck with it and played football because I learned technique in this while you coached me. And I was like, that's, and they, some of them did. That was so crazy. I met later in life that, and I actually met him at the bars later in life. And they're like, you were such a good coach that age. I kept playing. I was like, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That's all I needed to hear. There were some frustrating times out there, but I was like, I'm glad you stuck it out. And that's all I wanted. I wanted you to like football. And yeah. you did. So not everyone does, and I get that. But I was just like, that's awesome that at least you said, you remembered. And like, oh, yeah, you did. And I was like, now you make me feel old because I'm at a bar with you. I, either I was a really young coach or, and like, oh, yeah. They're like, you're really young. I was like, that's all I like to hear. Yeah. So, no, totally. You're changing yeah. around in high school. You're locking it down. You're dancing, focused on the task at hand. You like that a lot. It just kind of tunes out life, whatever. School becomes easier again. Um, so did you did you want to go to college? Was University of Wyoming your choice? Or were you just like, I'm going to shop around like a lot of people do? Or well, always Wyoming? When I was younger again back in that old studio 
and stuff. I just always wanted to get out of Wyoming. I wanted nothing to do with it. Honestly, into the first couple of years of my new studio, I was like, just absolutely no. But then the more, like I said, my new dance teacher that I um, encountered in my new studio, her name is Heather Sheik. I'm going to go go ahead and give her like all the props because she is, like I said, one of my biggest mentors. She went to UW and she just raved about it the whole time I was in high school. Like just how much she learned from UW and how much um, Marsha Knight and Margaret Stalder and Mar- Margaret Wilson, sorry, um, influenced her and how great of people they were and professors they were. So the more I heard that in high school, the more I was like, you know what, that's where I want to go. And so when I was probably a freshman to a sophomore, I was like, get out of Wyoming. But then when I was a junior and a senior, and the more I danced, because into my junior and senior years, I was a bit of a freak. I, that's all I did. I would take 10 to 12 dance classes a week. I was in all the competition pieces. Like, that's what I did. So when I was thinking about going to college as a senior, I was like, I want to go somewhere where there is a dance program that I feel comfortable with. And that was the University of Wyoming. It was, like I said, uh, Marsha Knight, Margaret Wilson. Um, those two ladies are still in that department and are still to this day, like two of the greatest influences that I, I've had because they're so amazing as far as like the, the way they run their program. You know, the dance program at the University of Wyoming is not a um, in and out, like take some classes. It's, a, it's sort of a family, you know what I mean? Like they will call you if you're not in class. They're like, how are you today? <laughs> They're like your mothers. They're gonna be there for you. And they are always so great. And that was one of the things that really drove me towards the University of Wyoming was hearing Heather's approach to it um, and the way that she had explained it to me and um, her experiences. And then a couple of other people that were just a few years older than I was or older than I were. And they were able to tell me like what the current program was like. And like I said, it drove me to UW. So (laughs) Uh, did you live in the dorms right away? Like everyone else? Yes, I did. I lived in the dorms for an entire year. And that was the year that they remodeled Washakie. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I lived in, um, the hall right next to it. And I ended up having to always eat my meals in the hall. What is it? The, the, Hill hall. Is it Hill Hall? Hill Hall. Crane? Crane Hall, there it is. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Was it? Because that was where the older students they had their own cafeteria over there. Yeah, yeah, and that's where we had to eat that year. When I was a freshman and lived in the dorms, we had to eat at the Crane Hill cafeteria the because they were remodeling Washakie at that time. <laughs> so I what never. What was your dorm? Which one? Um, I started off in. No, I was always in Macintosh. McIntyre. McIntyre, sorry. That was my dorm. I was fourth floor one year, 
and had a roommate from Germany and it was just random. He's like 21. I was like, great. I already have a fake ID. Don't need his ID. So uh, he, I had a friend, I met a guy from Laramie that was down the hallway. I knew of him in high school, but never really knew him. And he'd always be like popping by my room because I was playing Sega all the time. Yeah, the college experience. And uh, we became roommates. So I was McIntyre that year. And then kind of my apartment stuff fell through, ended up being again the next year, but by myself. And never really lived that dorm life because my door was right next to the exit on the second floor. And so it went out into the street. So I just prop it open. So I rarely yeah. went past the front desk people. I, re- I didn't make any friends on the floor. I knew a couple, one guy that he blasted 90210 when it was on like through the speakers and I watched it. I just opened my door and shut off my sound and he would have it like on like just really cranked up speakers. Uh, he was a guy from Los Angeles. He later became a broadcasting major like me, but um, I remember that about the dorms, but I really never made any friends there because I was also from Laramie. So I was, out and about and already doing that. Lived in the dorms is weird. <laughs> I, my mom, my parents were all about it. They were like, um, you got to live a college experience. They both worked on campus. They're like, you live in the dorms like everyone else and you got to live this experience. And, you know, we'll talk about apartments or whatever afterwards. I lived at home here and there through my college career, um, mostly towards the end where it was just a cheaper thing and I was working a lot. And so it, it, was different, but I was not all about going to UW. I was not a fan of Laramie. I wanted to go everywhere else, so I tried athletics. Um, applied to other places, got recruited, and all really was like, well, well means it. And um, my friends were just going there. I was like, all right, let's do this. I'd end with my parents. They knew everything about it. So, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. And uh, it was, I probably, it's interesting because everyone's like, you're a big Wyoming Cowboy fan. I was like, I wasn't until about year two because I was covering them all the time. They became my friends, the athletes and sports and stuff. So I was like, oh, I better cheer for them and not wear my Oregon, University of Oregon stuff all the time around them. And so I became more of a fan then. And then once I started back as an employee and got season tickets, yeah, I was super, I'm travel for them. Love, I'm all brown and gold these days. So I yeah, like I wasn't that. all about it. Yeah. But yeah, so, good this is also something we didn't cover. But when I was growing up, um, my grandma lived in Laramie. So when I grew up in Casper, we would go visit her on Saturday game days. Yes. And my grandma was full blood Italian. She was the typical Italian grandma. And she would cook us in a course meal. So oh. we'd get to Laramie about, I don't know, nine in the morning. We'd eat we would eat and then we would eat until about i don't know noon and then we'd drive and go to the wyoming games and that to me was like the biggest one of the biggest memories of laramie and the wyoming games and stuff when i was growing up so that was also again going to wyoming for me was like thank goodness <laughs> like, yeah and it was just like a family tradition you know I, I look at the tuitions that people pay across the United States and I'm like, I got a deal. Like I got a deal on my education. I got a quality education. I still work there. And so working, yeah, go to school at the university of Wyoming. It's a good quality education and uh, it's not, won't break your bank. So, no. I mean, some people do have student loans and such, but 
also people go and get scholarships and all that. So it's a, it's a good institution. It wasn't, I wasn't always the cheerleader for it in the beginning, but it saved me and my family and they signed my check still. And I think I was destined. Yeah. And so I, it it was weird when I moved back to Laramie after living in New York a couple of years, I was like five years and I'm out. I had such a mentality of I'm going back to the West coast. I'm going to live in Oregon again. And those five, after five years, I was like, I can't, I just, I'm not going anyway. This is all right. It's not a bad job. Can't leave it now. Now I'm in it to win it. There's no leaving Laramie anytime soon. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, what was it like you're living in the dorms you're you're like what was your first experience your memory like wow college is now started i'm away from casper kind of so when i you know they give you like correspondence on your way into the dorms they're like here's your roommate this is what they're like you know well i never got one of those and i honestly knew my uh, RA. He was a friend of mine from Casper. And so I was like, Hey, um, do I not have our roommate? I kept like emailing him throughout the summer being like, what's my roommate? Like what's going on? Like, do I have a roommate? It was like, I don't see you have a roommate. Like they've not scheduled your roommate. And finally two weeks before the start of the semester, they're like, this is your roommate. And I was like, because of course we had no time to correspond and figure out who was taking what and like what's going on. <laughs> so I get to college and I move in with this girl <clears throat> and it was bad. It was bad. It was bad. It was just really bad. <laughs> like, I had not had any time to like figure out who she was or what was going on. I remember my breaking point was three weeks in we I had gone to class one day and I came back and she had chopped her hair off. If you've ever been in a, in a UW dorm, you know that like the sink is right there and then you go into the room. So she had chopped it off at the sink. So like literally I couldn't even walk into the room without like trudging through her hair. And she was like, she left me a note. She goes, I'm so sorry. I didn't have time to clean up my hair. <laughs> But I was like, <laughs> we didn't have time to sleep up there. Oh my God. Yeah. I could see that being a breaking point. <laughs> I was just like, I don't, I don't feel okay with this. And at that point I had been talking to a friend of mine who lived three stories up. I like started off in third floor McIntyre. And then I was going to go up to the, I had a friend in the sixth floor and she was like, there's an open room. Maybe we should like appeal to the, powers that be so we went and like filled out whatever form and her and I ended up getting to have a room together on the sixth floor (laughs) well turns out our room on the sixth floor was the opposite of your room it was the party room (laughs) everyone was there every single time so this is the reason why and I claim this till the day I die back in the day McIntyre did not have carpeting the only uh uh, dorm that had carpeting was Downey in every room. Yeah. Somehow, whatever reason, my room and McIntyre had carpeting. And that's the room that everyone hung out in. Like, that was it. We huh. all hung out in my room. <laughs> so, uh, I, there was a guy that we found about two floors down. 
and he was over 21. I don't know why he was still in the, the dorms, but, and at that point, the library across the, the hall was still the thing. So our room was party central. We had everyone over almost every night to the point where I was like, guys, we got to stop at some point. <laughs> like, I need some sleep. But, you know, when you're a freshman, luckily naps are a thing. You almost yeah. don't think about it, but that was my freshman year in the dorms. It was just really like, like I said, that my room was the party room for, for whatever reason. I think it was because we had carpet. <laughs> I, yeah, maybe. Yeah. We, well, we put a carpet down. You had those standard. I think in my garage is my dorm room carpet on the floor. It kind of got, <laughs> I had it off my parents and they're like, they smoked in the garage, so they put it down in there, and it's kind of lasted. I walk across it, and I'm like, "This is, this is so old. It's funny, but yeah, um, we. I had friends over. I had a fake ID, so people would show up to be like, "Buy me alcohol all the time." And so, I mean, that's how I met like two of my closest friends. Were like, yeah, no, we I just found a guy like two stories down yeah. and just had him buy us booze. Yeah, I'm glad that people didn't know that right away from me. It was mostly people in Laramie be like, oh, Rude's got a fake ID. Get us alcohol. So I like it. Yeah, buy my alcohol too. If I didn't know you that well, I was like, buy my stuff. My friends, it was always 40s. That was our thing. We were gangsters. Like, we saw them in all the rap videos, so we were always drinking 40s. And they were efficient drinking, I thought. And prior to that, I was drinking like straight vodka and like just a mix. Like it was. That's what we did. Angry. It was all just straight vodka. That's what yeah. I remember. Like really shitty vodka. Though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, Get your pop of off. <laughs> yeah. I had a little Shmirinoff. I had a lot of that, I think. Because it was like. Shmirinoff is actually really not that bad. But yeah, not that bad. Yeah. Potters, is that what you just said? Potters, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Potters is rough. Um, yeah, my buddy and I, that I first really started drinking with when I started, got back from like going to Australia and learning how to drink, that was his thing. And he like would be the, the spy pint of vodka and you just do that. And like, I remember him fighting a lot of people and I was not that guy. And like my other friends rescued me and they're like, we're drinking beer now and it's going to be kegs and you're not going to drink any more vodka for a while. And I was like, okay, I, we didn't. We kept to the beer for a long time. And then I think once we started going to bars, it was all mixed drinks after that. But um, it was weird. Also having the ID, people would give you such mass orders. You, you know, the movie super bad. Like, I was like, what this crazy? Why can't we just get like a case or something? You know, like what is yeah. their own special brand of nonsense. So yeah, that was interesting in college. And I actually started, we drank in my dorm a lot, actually, not every night, but luckily. Um, but I had like a 40 collection along the top of my bookshelf, which is a bad no no. I think, yeah, giant no no. Yeah, I suppose that display your trophy, especially being underage. But after a while, I was like, man, it smells like beer always in here. It's time to get rid of those things. But yeah, that was, I remember doing that because nobody really, that, like being at the end of the hall and having a single, like, I rarely got checked on ever. Like, and then for a while I had a girl, the worst girlfriend ever. She like moved in, like I almost moved out because it, yeah, it's crazy. She sucked. And uh, those, that, that one type of, you know, that relationship you get where it just 
fucks your head for a long time. Like still probably rears its head these days. I'm like, Oh, that stupid girl. And so, yeah, I, that's oh, always I remember that second year of college will always be that in that dorm room. I'll be like, God damn. I remember that. Oh, I made some dumb choices. Well, me moving out of my dorm room was a real bad choice. <laughs> that's a real story. That's one of my best stories from college, I think. So I remember, like I said, my roommate and I had chose to move in with one another in the fall. We lived together like amicably through the spring and then probably two weeks before the end of the year, we got into a fist fight, Ooh. an actual fist fight. <laughs> I got um, suspend, not, not, I'm sorry, What what is the term? I wasn't academically suspended, but I was like morally suspended. <laughs> Probation? Pretty much. Like they kicked me out of the dorms and they told me that like my um, admittance into the University of Wyoming was um, dependent on my good behavior. <laughs> I was on some sort of pro- probation after this because my roommate had stolen from me lied to me and then I chased her out of our room at one point and tried to punch her. Yes. So that's how I got kicked out of the dorms. <laughs> you dub. And yeah. Man, that next semester was a rough one, but <laughs> like I said I did not end up um moving out of the dorms amicably. I got kicked out. I moved into a friend's apartment and slept on the couch for the next couple of weeks to finish out my semester. And hooray for freshman year. <laughs> I, my college career would go fall suck like at grades and then make it up in the spring and then take some summer classes to figure out what I was screwed up in the fall. And let's just repeat that cycle for a couple of years. Cause I did not do, I should, every once in a while I'll be like, I should not go to school in the fall because I suck at going to school because I want to do everything but do go to school. But when it's winter, I'm, I'll buckle down and go to school and that's fine. Football's yeah. not going on. And I was, I wasn't necessarily always wrapped up in video, I videotaped every sport and everything quite my first two until about my third year. But then my job was starting, the broadcasting was starting to rule a lot of my job and me and my life where I was like, I just want to be a college kid. I do not want to work all the time, but when you work for a parent, turns out and take classes from them too, they expect high, they have high standards for you, really high standards for you. And I just want to be a college kid half time. So yeah. yeah. And then I didn't figure out how to be a student until later. I wasn't that good at it in high school and such. Um, I didn't think, but I was persistent. And so once I figured out how I was like, Oh, okay. I can you know finish in six years or whatever. But today, working at a university, kids get like the PowerPoints, like ahead of time. I'm always like, if you would have gave me those, like college wouldn't have been that hard. I just wouldn't took notes on the side. But I didn't right. have to figure out how to do a, like a rundown, like, you know, what do they call it? Uh, summary, whatever. I don't even know how to take proper notes, but like the A, B, C, D, all that stuff. I do that now for like shows like this. I lay out my notes that way and everything. <laughs> Like, I could have done this. Yeah. And I was like, why couldn't the instructors give it to me like they did nowadays? Like, 
that would have been so much easier. And then they're like, this is going to be on the test. And I circle that part. This is on the test. Rue, do you remember how we used to work at Outreach? Yes. I think about that all the time. I'm like, why can't we do this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Sorry. We should Again, get that. Like, bringing yeah. to the future. <laughs> yeah, we, I know. Um, so you got kicked out of the dorms. You, and, and then did the next year, did you find a place to live? right away or did you go solo do you have friends that you're gonna move in with you know clearly the I, moved, didn't I moved home for the summer of course because okay. like most yeah freshmen do you know you just don't have anywhere to stay but the next fall i moved back and i lived at um you know hell on earth sterling university oh, wow. apartments <laughs> i don't know what they're called these days but that's what they were called back in the day and yeah they were bad but i lived there for a good year and i lived with three roommates who i all loved and they were honestly awesome we had a great relationship as roommates and we had a lot of fun together the three of those girls ended up getting into really very serious relationships so by the end of the year i had my own apartment it was awesome <laughs> Because they would all go stay with their boyfriends every night. And I, like I said, by the end of that year, I had my own apartment. It was awesome. <laughs> so I really loved actually living. I hated working because I got a job at Sterling University Apartments. Uh, and that was the worst job I've ever had in my life. But uh, living there wasn't that bad. <laughs> it was only bad because they made you do things like um, run around and narc on people yeah yeah hey their uh their balcony doesn't look good you should charge them money um you should go into their apartment and see if there's any damage you should charge them money like it was just it was like a big money scheme and i honestly hated being that person especially at 19 20 years old you know what i mean like it's policing your peers yeah, you don't want to be the, yeah, no, no be the person going into someone's apartment being like i'm sorry you broke a hole in your wall i'm gonna charge you all the money you don't have Ugh. so that did not last long i did not work there for very long i worked there for probably about three or four months and then i quit and then guess what job i got after that rude uh outreach school <laughs> i did <laughs> exactly <laughs> so about mid sophomore year i got my job at outreach <laughs> so that changed nice. the whole course of my college career. I mean, I really loved working in outreach because it was so student friendly. <laughs> you could make your own schedule. Yeah. You had like your own thing you were supposed to do. There was great people who worked there. And to be honest, that was the greatest job I could have ever had in college. And I think that if I wouldn't, if I would have always like waited tables or bartended, college would have never been the same. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting because I'm, I'm like right now going, if we had outreach still, like we would handle this whole online stuff easily. Like I keep toting that name around a lot, but we'll see if they bring back an outreach school or whatever. I'm ready to roll for them if I got to, but doing all right. Yes! Like, yeah. <laughs> Don't do videotape courses anymore, though. No. Like, the whole, like, mailing out 25 videotapes, bullshit. Don't do it. We stream everything now. It's totally, 
Like I they, know. Those, <laughs> those outdated technologies are done. Do you remember when I worked there though? Work. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do you remember those taped video sets? <laughs> that was my original office was right next to all that. Like whatever, not office, cubby, whatever it was. Was the next oh, to okay. all the duplication stuff. And so, yeah, I did t- stuff too all the time. Every time we'd get big orders, I'd get roped in. I was a assistant produce director. And then- When I met you, you actually worked in the UW TV building. Yeah, oh uh, wait. Yeah, but that's at Syntrax, right? Yeah, you were yeah. in like the cemetery. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. That was a rough office or whatever you want to call I it. I used next- to go visit you all the time and just be like, <laughs> I do remember. And then I got a big time job that made me go to Wild Hall. Yep. I remember that. That changed the that changed me. And luckily getting other promotions and stuff through my career has saved me from because those jobs get cut along the way. Like my assistant producer job got cut. My I, there's no longer the manager of video conferencing. Now I'm in IT. They got rid of school. It's interesting. So I've luckily to stay at the university in Wyoming. I've been lucked out or skilled up, one of the two. Are you still in Wild Hall? No, Wild Hall's getting torn down. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, I, I, it, it, doesn't, uh, I, it doesn't hurt that much. Once I moved out before this decision was made, I, uh, where my office is now in Ross Hall, um, it was like a year after that. They're like, oh, we're going to build dorms on this side. and We're going to tear down Wild Hall. This is a future plan. I don't know if it's going to come to fruition because of our current COVID state. But Wild Hall's completely evacuated. Nobody has offices in there. Um, a lot of them what are What is Ross Hall? I'm in Ross Hall. Remind me, what is Ross Hall? Um, the one next door where like the mail room was? No, it's like center of campus. You know, Night Hall's at. It's right behind like Night Hall. Like Ross Hall has a cafe in it. It's faced oh, yeah. in pasture. Yeah, my office is in the basement. Oh. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness. I had a wind I had a window in Wild Hall. Now I have a garden view of the sidewalk. I have no so, it's yeah. a, it, it it's all right. Right now it's okay because it you have to like have a scan card to get in the building and there's like three people I see in a day and they all work for me, so we're good. So I don't see any like and I have my door shut up. It's all right now. I don't mind it as bad as much as being but I'm also smack dad in the middle of campus. So when parkings, ah, that sucks. And now Rude, parking, I remember a day when you used to park where you could see your car yep. from your window. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could start it from my window. Now, like, yeah. I had my, I had my current Jeep when I was in Wild Hall and I'd start it from the window and walk down again. That I really got to hit the perfect shot these days. If I'm parking in the oh. big parking lot I'm at right now, there's no parking restrictions. So I park in metered parking, like right next to my, I could look out my window and see my park, my car. If I get lucky, you can get a spot there, but it's not always lucky. Sometimes I park in another spot, but it's not that far away. But yeah, like Sorry, I, 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 I digress. <laughs> winter time used to be great. Leave my garage, drive to work, park, walk about 10 feet. And I was inside my, that didn't happen these days, man. I no. trek it out, get a big winter coat going on. Yeah, I, I'm all bundled no. up. My parka. It's uh, 
it's all right. it's what it is, but it's, I need to be that spot on campus for what I do. I couldn't be in our IT, our IT building at all. So, but that's the future. So you met me in outreach school. That's a question I always ask people. It's like, how'd you meet me? We just got into it. I met you in outreach school. Yeah. I used to deliver his mail. I actually never knew him before I delivered Ruth's mail, but I always recognized a name that said Justin Flaskrid. And I was like, that sounds like a really young name because we had a lot of Ellen's and uh, Debbie's and Cheryl's and Karen's. Um, so I was like, who is Justin? Like, that sounds really young. <laughs> and that's how I very first was like tuned on to Justin's name. That's it. I used to always think the name sounded childish. Like, I didn't. When I got the nickname Rude, I really didn't mind not being called Justin. It wasn't. And then uh, a guy named Justin Timberlake came along and <laughs> yes, not so bad anymore. And and I didn't know, like, in Mary, I mean, like a Justin or two along the way in my life. Like, I didn't have it in my classes. I was, like, the only one. It was interesting. But I felt like it was a young name. And then, yeah, Justin Timberlake kind of helped the whole name. Uh, Bieber hurts it. That, that helped like, me because I was like, Justin sounds like a young guy. Like, who, yeah. whose male is that? <laughs> this, is not, this is not Karen's. <laughs> I was the youngest manager there at Outreach. Yep. Eventually, yeah. Yep. So, yeah, it was a young man. And then I eventually met you, I think, in person at Mingles. Probably. Yeah. Uh, a, so. a hangout of UWTV folk. And uh, my parents went there. Yeah, so. I was gonna say, I remember Tony and and uh, Mark, Mike, my stepdad, Mike, yeah, yes. Mike, yes, they that mingles is their place. And a funny thing is, there's a bar right down the street from my parents' house in Las Vegas called Mulligans that they hang out at. They're like regulars there. It's great. Like they they have the mingles vibe at that Mulligans. It's very interesting. It's no affiliation, right? Not, not to our mulligans here. That's not. Nah. Be cool oh, if it good. was. Because our mulligans in Laramie. I do love our mulligans. But the one in Vegas has like a kitchen and you can gamble and it's fantastic. But the one here is all right. We do a meetup at Jubilee Days with my like people that went to high school here. Like two hours for a little bit between beer fest in the last night of julie days not this year though not. maybe i should do it on zoom get everybody to days, sign though. in it was oh. my favorite yeah it is there there are times where it wasn't and there are times where i i hate it you know i wasn't into it because i grew up around it so much and then, and then i'm just i love it I, I now i embrace it i lean into it i don't i don't know if i can go three nights in a row but I'll give you two. I'll give you two strong ones. <laughs> or one it, really, really epic one. <laughs> since like now is becoming right around the third year. Oh my God. I still remember my first one. It was cool. Graduations are like this year's like class of night would have been 90. And so I'm close to my, like what do, what, when do they have in Casper? Like that kind of reunion. Do they, do they center around any kind of like Jubilee days or? Um, like a street closing. Yeah. Not necessarily. They do like the fair and rodeo. Um, so Bob's new restaurant does um 
rock the block. So once a week, they shut down the oh, cool. just the one block around them and have open carry permits and uh, vendors and stuff. But overall, nothing like, honestly, nothing like that. <laughs> I missed Jubilee Day so bad. <laughs> yeah. It was my favorite. It, well, maybe you guys you can come down for uh, the next year's. I don't know. Come down for when I'm, it's my 30th. That'll be two years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Make like, sure to send us that invite. Yes. Facebook invite. No. Yeah. I'll just let you guys know. My kids will be at the right age to leave them where it's really dangerous because they're going to definitely get in trouble. So it'll be perfect. <laughs> nice. You won't worry about them at all. No. <laughs> no. So where you're, you're working out of the outreach school. Um, you're a major theater dance. I don't know if we even talked about you getting that major, but I seemed kind of obvious in the prior uh, conversations yeah. that you would go into that. Um, so, and I recognize those little bit of those names from uh, you talking about, I think Marsha for sure. I, rec- I was like, I recognize that name. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they are still here. That's, that is good. Um, yep. So what, I mean, it's, how many years did it take you to finish school? Did you do the four, five years? I actually did five years. So my first year, I was a little unsure, to be honest. I wanted to look into psychology. And my main, like, my main idea was to be in dance psychology. I wanted to, like, honestly use dance to um, help people. You know what I mean? I, I always feel like movement is like a good option to therapy. <laughs> so that was my dream as a young, as a young stew. And um, it didn't always work out. So I eventually I knew I had to just get my option in dance. So I started doing my dance degree. <clears throat> it took me a little longer than normal because my junior year, I decided to go abroad and I went to London for a good semester. And during that time I did all my humanities classes, which was to be like the most honest, honestly awesome thing you could ever do. Cause you can't take a better 20th century art history class than you can in London. I got to go to like London uh, art history, actual museums. Like it was the best option I could have had for a lot of my humanity classes and a lot of my I didn't actually get dance credits for that semester, but like I said, the semesters I did get, or I mean, the uh, credits I did get were amazing. Cause you just can't replicate that anywhere else. I took a class, I remember 20th century art history, where one week we would sit in the classroom and talk about it. And then the next week we'd go to that museum. We'd look at those actual paintings, which was amazing. And so to me, that semester that I took to do that was worth the semester extra that I took to graduate. So it took me five years to graduate, but I'll take every single last one of those semesters because I got to do some really cool things on top of it. (laughs) So I I lived in London for three months. I traveled Europe. I got to do a lot of things that you just can't learn from a book. I was six years and my sixth year was like part-time full semesters because I had to pay for it. My parents are like, we'll pay for five. They're like, are you done? I'm like, not yet. 
I'll pay for that. Like you will pay for that. Yeah. So, but I paid for a couple of my own semesters. I also remember like my buddy who. Yeah. My buddy, you froze. Hold on. There we go. My buddy, he did it in four years. And he was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. What do we do? And I'm like, I don't know. I still got a lot of school to do. So I'm going to go back to school. You go do the real world stuff. And he was just so scared. He didn't really last in what he wanted to do, what he thought he was going to do. And totally kind of lost his shit for a little bit. Because it, he's like, I, I did the school and I wanted this job and it wasn't what I expected. I'm like, that sucks. I'm still in school and partying and having fun like college kids do and you have to do real world shit. So, yeah. yeah. Four years, unless you know what you got you're doing. I don't know if we're quite ready. Five, five, five seems normal. Like for a lot of people. And especially if you got that a semester abroad. That's easily like, that makes up for a lot of stuff. I noticed I got to put, for what I do and what I did, my major i got to put my hands on equipment that people rarely got to touch in their majors at the same major at a bigger institution i mean i was interning as a freshman i was on major fields videotaping i was you know editing a lot of stuff it was amazing to have that kind of access that early in my college career so and the university i mean was small enough that that could happen i mean my stepdad was like you should try this and i did the rest i was good at what i did but I'm looking back, I'm like, everyone was so shocked. I was like, yeah, I was directing shows by my junior year. Like, really? I was just learning how to run a camera. And I'm like, wow, that was easy by then. So, yeah. yes, good, great University of Wyoming. So you got five years, you're done. Then what do you do? So after I finished there, I lived in, well, this is also a long story short. I had a really shoddy uh, advisor and ended up having, so I graduated at semester after four and a half. I literally walked the stage, but then I ended up having my advisor tell me I had one more credit that I needed to take. So I stayed in Laramie for one more semester and took one more credit and had a job and just worked and like did my thing. And then I also, got told after that one that I had one more credit because like I said, I had a really shoddy advisor. So I ended up having to stay in Laramie for two extra semesters. I took one class in the spring semester and one class in the uh, summer semester to finally actually deserve my degree. Thank you very much, Mel. I did, I did the, I, I will thank you forever, Mel. Mel, you're the worst. I threw my books in the air on that last class. It was oh. the Bible as literature, which was a very interesting class. Um, it, some people got up in a huff, but I remember leaving the class going, no more school and never going back. And everybody's trying to talk me into it through my career. And I'm like, nope, I wasn't that good that first time. And I see the stress that all the college kids have while I work on campus. My stress at the beginning of the semester, theirs is like all year. Like I remember being a student going, always thinking I should probably be studying like with my spare time. And I wasn't, I'd be like, uh, that always was the underlying thought. Some of the times I was, I guess you should be studying something. 
No, it wasn't me. It uh, was my, well, my advisor told me once that, <laughs> like, this is all the classes you need. You'll graduate oh, in that, December. Yeah. And I'm like, thank you. My God, I was so excited. And he was like, oh, and someone came to me and they're like, oh, you need this one. You need one more credit. And so I took, like I said, I worked for most of that spring semester, but took a class or two. And I was like, yay, I'm done. And they were like, oh, you need one more credit. And I, my, my, um, my, uh, rent had run out. Like I had nowhere to live. <laughs> so I moved into a friend's house who luckily had like three more months on her rent. She, uh, subletted it to me. And I, this, you remember this when I lived yep. on 15th and Harney for oh, like, yeah. like two months. <laughs> Cause like I had nowhere else to live. I was like, yep. Thank you. And so I had to take one more class because I had a really shoddy, um, advisor. So Again, Mel, thank you so much for those extra two semesters. <laughs> Damn. Okay, we got through those semesters. Then what? <laughs> then so what? After I finally got all the, what I actually needed to get my degree under my belt, I moved to Denver, moved to Aurora, Colorado. Um, as soon as I moved down there, I moved in with a friend's family, and I got a job terrible as this sounds, waiting tables, but waiting tables in Denver is actually a really lucrative <laughs> business. Yes. So I made a lot of money and I met my husband. So my husband is Bob. He was the chef of the very first um, restaurant that I worked at and him and I met and I don't know, the rest as they say is history. So him and I met and uh, probably six months later, we were exclusive. A year later, we were moving in together. <laughs> a year and a half later, I was pregnant and we got married. So Thank that's right where on. that went from there. Denver was like a good slide down a hill. It all sort of went real fast. <laughs> Into adultness. Like, Into adult, yeah, exactly. So I took a little break from dance. I uh, didn't necessarily pursue any careers or anything like that. Like I said, I became a wife and a mother. <clears throat> and then my husband, Bob, is from Arizona. So we had lived in Colorado for probably, I don't know, two, two and a half years before we moved down to uh, Tempe, Arizona. We lived in Tempe, where Bob is from, for another two, maybe a year and a half, two years. And we decided that Tempe was just really not for us. It was really hot. It was really uh, just not what we were looking for. And especially since we had, had children at that point, we really wanted to raise them in a place where uh, we could feel good about taking them outside and doing the right thing. So we moved back to Wyoming. So my family has always been from Casper, like I said. And so we moved back to Casper and bought a house. And here we live <laughs> ever since. Was it a hard sell? It's been, it's been five years. So was it, was it a hard sell getting Bob to move to Casper? 
Heck no, no. He's always been an outdoorsman. He loves to hunt and fish, and from Arizona to Wyoming was the easiest sell for him. <laughs> nice, nice. And you see, he's all five about years? it. Huh? Five years you've been there. We've been back to Casper now for we. Well, we've lived in our house now for five years. We've been back to Casper for seven. Wow. Yeah. My youngest son, who is seven, almost seven and a half, was almost half a year old when we moved. So, okay, like yeah. I'll come together. It was a baby, baby. <laughs> Your kids' names are if you Patrick. I have two sons. I have a Patrick who is ten, and an Andrew who is seven. I always want to call Andrew Michael, so that's gonna <laughs> for all no. my life. It'll be like Michael. No, it's not. It's Andrew. Uh, just call him Mike just do it yeah and like, then when not, he asks just be like I want to be I want to be like Mike <laughs> okay okay I like that I like that so we already asked my last question was how'd you meet me I choose my last question of the whole thing but also you know there's a big topic that everybody's kind of always talking about is you know how you guys holding up through COVID I, I we had a conversation off camera uh, or off mic about it um yeah you don't want to homeschool your kids right i mean that's like that seems to be difficult to do in this day and age well <clears throat> i um was working from home for most of the quarantine which was very lucky for me and i was very grateful to have the opportunity to at least keep my job and work from home um my other option was both try and do my work from home and homeschool my kids at the same time, which was quite frankly overwhelming. I'm sure most of you can understand, but uh, trying to make sure my kids had everything done at the same time I was trying to get my own work done was very hard. So my husband was grateful, well, not grateful, but um, luckily enough, he works a non-traditional schedule. He's a chef. He is able to work nights and weekends. And so he was able to at least maneuver his schedule to where he could work nights and homeschool the kids during the day, which was, like I said, very lucky. We were able to sort of double team that um, kid homeschooling schedule and have him work nights. And like I said, me being home during the day and we, I, uh, I will say this to the end of the earth. Like we were among the very most blessed. Like we did not have the struggles that most people probably had. So I don't have a lot to say about this just because we were very lucky and we're able to keep our jobs and work and kind of manipulate our schedules and at least double team the homeschooling. I am also still of the, idea that like I don't want to do this in the fall yeah. I do not want to homeschool my children in the fall I love them to death but holy lord they just learn so much better somewhere else <laughs> like I, I am not their best teacher don't get me wrong I feel like I know the material and I can teach them but do you think they learn from me no any of you who have children can understand this like your children don't learn from you the best. They just don't. Like they will fight everything you say to them. <laughs> and that's how I felt with my kids is like everything I said to them, they want to argue. 
and everything I want to teach them, they have a rebuttal to. And so it's like, to me, I want them to go back to school, but at the same time, I don't have any room to complain. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, I've always said, you know, with all the interviews I've done here, it's fortunate. I think a lot of people I've interviewed where we in Wyoming can walk out our front door and still be like, ah, oh, space. Like the space won't kill me. Like right. I feel bad for those people that live in like those huge apartment complexes where just going out your front door is a dangerous situation. And so I can't imagine that stress. And then tack on, you might not have a job. And then you're in your place for 45 days straight. Wow. Exactly. With more than one kid or. Yeah. I mean, uh, let's just, I feel I am lucky. I'm not in that situation. And I feel for those people the most because I don't experience. I still work, but I got to come move work from home for a good chunk of it. I'm kind of back on campus now, but still in a safe situation. Um, but my house, whenever I felt stir crazy, I walked around the block. I had there were things yeah. to do. Like my yard's getting looking better and better all the time. And so yeah. like I refocused. And I think at my age, it's because I've experienced so much life that I'm like, I'm tired, man. I just, I, I could use the timeout. Like I was lucky enough that I've stayed employed and all that. And so like, I think of a struggle, like I want to do some DJ benefit or something to help people pay their bills. Or something. Now I got to use our platform. I want to help the best I can. So I see the struggles people are going through. I kind of invented this podcast out of the idea. I thought about it for a long time, but my intention was to be face to face at a table somewhere talking like this, not via yeah. Zoom. What a drink. But, but it worked out kind of all right with it because everybody's doing the same. They understand the struggles. And so uh, I kind of did this to entertain people and to share my friends' stories of their lives because I have some interesting friends I've met along the way. And each story is just better and better each time. And so hopefully people are entertained. That's how I want. It takes your mind off. You're like, oh, that's my friend. Oh, I remember that time. Oh, yeah, that's great. And so it's anything I can do. To, and it also just kind of takes me my mind off a lot of things. Um, well, I love it. This has been yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care who listens. It's been yeah. fun for me. <laughs> and so uh, I want to thank you. I'm going to wrap it up here. I want to thank you for being on my podcast, All My Friends. Hey, friends. I need your help or maybe your friend's help. I need music for this show, like play in music to the interviews and play out music like you just heard. I use some sample stuff that's a funky bass line, but I want to feature your music, maybe your friend's music. So send me that music or get the people in touch with me and we can put it on the show. I will definitely give you shout outs, even if you just do, you know, guitar line, a bass line, a DJ scratching that records line, uh, house mix, whatever. And then you'll be the house band of All My Friends with Justin Flaskrude. You can get a hold of me via social media. DJ Rude Entertainment on Facebook is a good way. Also on Facebook, I am Justin Flaskrude on Facebook. RudeZilla68 on Snapchat if you want to snap me uh, and get me into the mix with your music. Uh, Instagram, I have an Instagram account. It's L Arena. You know, if you're not into the whole brevity thing, I do have a Twitter account. It's called Jammin underscore DJ underscore Rude. That's Jammin DJ Rude 
on Twitter, or if you know me, if your friends know me, you can hit me up uh, via my phone. If you know my digits, I'm not giving them out on the airwaves here. Uh, so give me that music and I'm going to put it on the show. And then maybe we can work a, a theme song out of it and you'll be like the official music of all my friends with Justin Flaskroot. Now here's a story that didn't make the interview. Back in the day, Marlo and our crew of friends, Steph, Chris, Lexi, to name a few, and I'm sure there were more people that were there more often, we would go to Mingles here in Laramie on Sundays for Sunday Fun Day. There's no dressing up. Hats and, well, sweatpants were encouraged. And we would play beer pong and generally get drunk enough to be home early enough not to be a total waste on Mondays at work. Damn, those were some good times. I know I got some more stories I could probably share about Marlo and our, our crew of friends back in the day. And, well, maybe that's a, a, a stories for another podcast, we'll say. Uh, or we'll just keep those in the vault. On to the next episode.